many of you know, if you're new, you may not know this, we changed the name of the church. It's a long story, I won't go into that right now. But because of, of who we are, because we are Christ people, we've spent time over the last several weeks talking about some of that in various ways. So now we're going to begin a message series that talks about what do we do because of who we are. We are people of Christ, right? Everybody agree with that? And because that's who we are, because we've been adopted by God as his sons and his daughters, we need to understand now what we do as a result of that. What, how do we live? How do we think? How do we walk? How do we be, live in relationship with God and with one another? And that's what this message series is going to be about over the next several weeks. I'm going to spend two or three weeks on the topic of worship. And but before I get there, this morning will be an introduction to that, to that message. But before I get there, let me remind you of what our vision and mission is as a church. For many, many years now, since Kathy and I started the church several years ago, our vision has been this, that we would be a biblical community. So a community of believers that lives according to what God's word says, a biblical community who loves God and loves and supports one another. That's really just a restatement of the great commandment. Love your God, Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's, that's our vision statement. Our mission statement then as a result of that is because God's love to us, we will reach people and lead them to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, when we say reach people to be fully devoted followers of Christ, let me talk a little bit about what that means. What people are we talking about? Reaching who? We're going to reach people, and we are reaching people who don't know Jesus yet at all. You may be here today, and you don't, you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. We're very glad you're here. We hope you feel home here. And we're also reaching people who, who've just been introduced to a relationship with Jesus. And we're reaching people who have known Jesus for a long time but are not yet fully devoted to him. Well, and what does that mean, to be fully devoted follower of Jesus? Fully devoted is just what it says. It's full devotion. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, 70% Devotion, which would be a, like a passing grade in school, right? Would that, is that, is that what or maybe it's 90% devotion to Jesus, which will give you an A. Maybe it's 97%. We've said for years around here, 97% devotion to Jesus is still 3% short. Now, I don't say that to be disparaging or to make you feel like, oh my gosh, I'll never make 100%. It's not that at all. But Jesus has given us 100% of his devotion to us. We all agree with that, right? And therefore, he deserves 100% devotion to him. So we want to understand what that looks like and, and what that, how we can continue to grow and become mature. Now, this is not, this is about relationship. This is not a legalistic kind of thing. This is not, this is about a loving relationship, not legalism. It's not religion. It's about relationship. It's a, it's a growing relationship with Jesus is, is like a marriage, a perfect marriage. It's a, it can be that way because he's the perfect bridegroom. The Bible calls him the bridegroom, and we, his followers, the church, are his bride. And it's, so it's like a marriage, a perfect marriage relationship. Now, it can be that way because he is perfect, and, he, and he's, guys, he's, he's the only perfect bridegroom, isn't he? Ladies, we don't need an amen out of you right now. We all know we're not perfect. But because Jesus is, we can have, we can grow in our 
devotion to him. This is what it looks like as we experience relationship with Jesus. And it's a, it's a blast. And I think, it's just, it may just be me, but I think Jesus uh, doesn't get enough credit for how much fun it is to follow him. I think sometimes the, the enemy sort of gives us a, a, a false impression or somehow we get a false impression that following Jesus is going to be boring. Here's what Paul says will happen in our lives. The results of the fruit that comes from knowing Jesus and having the Spirit of Christ in our lives. Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter 5. Some of you know this is the fruit of the Spirit. He says, here's what this looks like. When you follow Jesus with full devotion and his presence manifests itself in and through you, you'll experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a whole lot of fun as far as I'm concerned. I think that's a blast. And it certainly beats the alternative, which Paul also gives us a list of what happens when we don't have the Spirit of Christ living in us, when we have a life that's filled full of sin. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Sin is fun for a while. It, it is. Sin is fun. If you're, not, if you're not having fun in sin, then you're doing it wrong. It's, but it's, it's only, it only lasts for a little while, and it always leads to death. And that's no fun. Sin, sin is only going to last for a while because it doesn't work. You, you do agree with that, right? Everybody agrees with that? And here's what happens. Here's what manifests in our life when that is existent in our lives. And we don't have the perfect Savior, the perfect bridegroom leading our lives. Paul goes on to say, this is what will happen. You'll have immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. He's just getting started. He's saying, these are just a few examples of what happens when you don't have the Spirit of Christ living in you. That's why we need to be fully devoted to our bridegroom, Jesus. You know, Kathy and I have been married for 34 years, actually 34 and a half years now. T today's Kathy's birthday, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put that in my notes so I wouldn't forget. Um, happy birthday, honey. See, uh, through our relationship, living together, uh, being together, loving one another, learning from one another, all of that has changed us over the last 34 years. It's, it's, it's because, and, and our devotion grows as we, and our, and our relationship grows, and the intimacy in our relationship grows as our devotion grows to one another. And that's just the way it works. I mean, you know, before we were married, Kathy was a wild and crazy young thing. She, she was hard to handle. She was stubborn. She was, she was rough around the edges. And if you believe that, you know. No, seriously, I was probably the more, no, I was definitely the more difficult one to live with. We have, because of our devotion to one another, and it's the way it goes, our relationship has grown and our intimacy and our oneness and the way that and it's transformed the way we think and the way we live and the way we relate to one another and to others 
And so that's the way it is with Jesus. His devotion to us is 100%, isn't it? He's proven that. He, he crawled on the cross to prove to us that his devotion to us is 100%. And as a response to his devotion to us, our devotion to him needs to be 100%. So what does that look like? How do we walk that out on a daily basis? I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, um, if you're not taking notes, I want you to write this down. Okay, so these six characteristics that I'm going to be preaching through over the next several weeks. The first one is this, and it'll be on the screen right here beside me. Six characteristics of what this looks like as we follow Jesus with full devotion. It all begins with worship. That's where our relationship begins. We're going to talk about that more this morning and over the next few weeks. It begins with worship. And then we need to connect. We need to connect in relationship to the heart of God and to one another. Because that helps us continue to grow and be encouraged by one another. So to connect to God and connect to one another. Then we need to grow. We need to become mature. Ephesians 4, Paul writes and he says, he's given some in the life of the church to help others, equip others to grow to full maturity, even so much so that they look exactly like Jesus. Isn't that amazing that that could even be possible? To grow to full maturity and to serve them with our gifts. Number four is serve. Serve with the abilities and the gifts that God has given you to serve the family of God and to serve and expand the kingdom of God outside of the family as well. To serve with the abilities and the supernatural gifts that he gives to each one of us. And then five, to give. Many of you have been doing that. We've been celebrating your giving, your generosity, like God has been generous to us. Now we get to experience being generous. And then finally, number six is yield. Sometimes I say that when somebody goes, what what does that mean? It means that we're yielding to the leadership and the presence and the power and the truth and the ongoing help that the Holy Spirit gives us as he lives inside of us. John 14 through 16, Jesus tells us, I'm going to send my spirit. He'll live in you and lead you your thinking, your decisions, your life, your attitudes, and continue to transform us so we yield, the more we yield and surrender our own will to the will of God, the better all of this works. So we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. We're going to begin this morning with worship. The title of the message is, You Were Made for This. You Were Made for Worship. We were made to worship God. We were created in the image of God at the very beginning of time, We were created the way he created us, the way he created us physically. We'll talk more about that in a few weeks. The way he created us emotionally and mentally and spiritually, we were wired up to worship. And every single one of us, we do this all the time, whether you know you're doing it or not, every single one of us, because that's the way we're created, we're made for this. We all worship something or someone all the time. We do, all of us, whether you realize it or not. That's why God tells us in the Ten Commandments, he brings his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, out of slavery, leads them to the promised land, and along the way, he gave them the Ten Commandments. They stopped on Mount Sinai, he gave this to Moses, and the very first one, you remember what it is? It's recorded in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. He says, I don't want you to have any other gods before me because he knows how he's created us he knows that 
we, we don't, he doesn't have to tell us to worship. We're going to worship. That's the way, that's what we're created to do. So he's telling us, stay focused on me. Don't worship anything else except for me. Don't put anything else in that place in your life. Because if we're not intentional about it, we'll do it. We'll worship something else or someone else. That's just the way we're created. When Jesus is asked by an attorney, he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says in Matthew 22, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He says, in, in fact, in, in Luke, it's recorded, it even adds, and all your strength. What Jesus is going through is he, he's saying, this is the way you were created. Your heart was created to worship me. Your soul, your mind, your body. We'll talk more about how our bodies are made in a week or so. We are made to worship. We must make it a priority. You were made for this. So point number one, if you're taking notes, I hope you are, is you were made to live in his presence. You were made to live in his presence. In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we see where God is, in, in fact, you want to write this down? It's Genesis 1, 26 through 28. God looks at the Holy Spirit in Jesus and he says, let us make man in our image. We want, they want to extend the relationship. They want to extend the family. He made us in his image and then he spent time with Adam and Eve in the garden. That's the way it's intended to be. You are created with the intention that you will live constantly in God's presence. Not just a few moments on Sunday morning, which we do experience God's manifest presence. You were created to live in God's presence all the time. All the time. And that's what Adam and Eve experienced in the Garden of Eden. God walked with them in the garden. He talked with them in the garden. And then we get to chapter 3 in Genesis. And we see how Satan shows up on the scene. Now, Satan started out in heaven. He was Lucifer. He was one of the archangels. He led a mutiny against God. He was the original sinner, by the way. It wasn't Adam. It was Lucifer was the original sinner. He led a mutiny. Jesus talks about that in, this in Luke. He says, I saw Satan fall, fall like stars out of heaven. God kicked him and his minions out of heaven because he had formed a mutiny. And when he shows up in the garden... He schemes, and he talks Adam and Eve into joining his mutiny. And the minute they did, the minute they ate of that apple, and they began to do what Satan told them to do, they separated themselves from the presence of God. And from that moment on, the next seven or eight chapters, up to Genesis chapter 11, everything falls apart. The first thing that happens is they have strife and conflict in their relationship. Marriage gets split. The next thing that happens is their children start killing one another. Then all of society falls apart, and then nations start warring against one another. It all happens in the first 11 chapters of the Bible. And God calls Abram then, to start all over, and he gives his covenant to Abraham, changes his name to Abraham, and says, you now will be the father of many nations. I'll bless you, I'll give you a name, I'll give you a people, and I'll give you a place, 
and now start all over with you. But it wasn't complete. We couldn't all live in the presence of God until Jesus came. That's why we celebrate every Christmas time like we just did. We celebrate the fact that God calls Jesus Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is with us again, and because he's with us, we can be with him. We no longer have to experience or live in a separate place or in, without being able to be in the presence of God. This is a lot more exciting than some of you are reacting to. This is big news. We get to live in God's presence. It's amazing. Because of what Jesus has done. We don't any longer have to be separated from God. You were created to live in his presence. And God is going to do whatever it takes to get us to respond and enter into his presence. Several times I, I've had this conversation just a few weeks ago. I had it again with some with a young woman who started coming to Christ Church about a year ago or so, she said, you know, Pastor, you need to know that uh, for the first three or four or five weeks that I started coming to Christ Church, I almost stopped coming. I couldn't hardly go in after the second week or so. I said, were the messages that bad? But I knew what she was talking I was joking with her. I said, I, I knew what she was talking about. I said, well, what happened? She goes, every time I would come, I would cry. And I hate crying in public. And every time I would say, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry. And sure enough, I would cry every time. So I explained to her, it's because you are entering in, as we worship, you're entering into the presence of God. And in the presence of God, I said, sometimes I cry too. Sometimes I cry too because I experience his, his love and I'm overwhelmed by the power of his presence and by his love and by his grace and the realization that he has adopted me as his son. He calls me son. I hope you realize, I hope you've experienced having the father say to you, you are my son or you are my daughter. I'm overwhelmed by that. And when we're in the presence of God, sometimes I cry too. You know, I explained that a lot of people sometimes want to run from it. Just like she didn't want to do that. She, she, didn't, she was confused by it. And, and that's what happens. That's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. When they messed up in the garden, you know what they did? They ran. They ran from God. They hid from his presence. They were ashamed. They were afraid. And they didn't know they could re-enter the presence of God. They just were ashamed and afraid. And so they ran away from him. And that's sometimes what you do. And that's what I have a tendency to want to do. But the, that's the exact opposite of thing that we need to do. That, in fact, that's the, mo that's the time when we most need to run to the presence of God is when we mess up. You need God's presence more than anything then. Look and see what Psalm 95, verse 1 and 2 says. Oh, come. Oh, come. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his 
presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout for joy to him with psalms. Let's come before him. Psalm 100, verse 1. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Come before him with joyful singing. You know, there's much more to, to worship. There's much more to worship than, worship than singing and music. There's a lot more to worship than that. However, I will say, I don't know of any better way to enter into the presence of God than worship and singing. And if you can't sing, and you know, some of you are sitting there going, well, I don't sing, Pastor. Trust me, you don't want to hear me sing. Then just, you know, learn to play worship music on, a, on your iPhone or your whatever listening device, your iPad, whatever you use that you listen to music on. Fill your playlist full of worship music. I've got a good friend who's a pastor. He's a worshiper. He loves to worship. He just expresses his worship. He sings loud, but he couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. He had a good friend one time. He said, you know, pastor, you're like a jailhouse singer. He was like, man, that sounds pretty good. Are you talking about like Paul and Silas, you know, saying worship to God in a jail? And he goes, no, 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 no. I don't mean like that at all. He says, I mean, you're always behind a few bars and you're looking for the right key. It's like, well, thanks a lot. I'm still going to worship. He plays a mean iPad. You know, that's one of the things that Kathy and I do every Sunday morning as we, get, as we begin to prepare for coming and being with you and bringing in the presence of God. We, we turn on a phone or a, whatever we're playing music on, and we start playing worship music. I'd encourage you to do all, all of you to do that, especially if you have young kids. You ever notice if you have young kids, it's the, it's the one day of the week that's the most difficult to get them out of bed, get them cleaned up, get their breakfast, get them here. I mean, we used to experience this all the time. We'd, we'd get everybody ready to go, and they'd all be in their Sunday best, and we'd get just about to the door, and somebody would throw up all over us, you know, or, or we'd sit them in the car, and we'd smell that smell that you go, oh, not right now, come on. You know, I'm not sure that playing worship music is going to change those circumstances, but I do know it'll change your attitude. It will. It'll change the way you think about God and one another, and it'll prepare your heart. In fact, I think it'd be a good idea to do that every morning. Just turn on worship music. The first thing you do, swing your legs over the edge of the bed and begin to pray and worship and spend time in the presence of God. You were made to live in his presence. Secondly, you were made to express worship in his presence. Write this down. You know, if you're, if, even if you're not taking notes, write this down. Worship, worship is love expressed. Worship is love expressed. It is active, not passive. It is active, not passive. Even Satan knows this, by the way. Satan knows that this, this is the way this works. He was the leader of worship. Sometimes I'll tell you more about his role and, and how that all happened. He was the leader of worship, wanted to be worshipped. He knows all about worship. He knows all about trying to help us or trying to get us to not worship God. So when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, this is recorded in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. He hears God say to him, heavens open, God says to him, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And right after his baptism, he goes into the wilderness of Judah and spends 40 days being tempted by the devil. 
And during that temptation time, this is what Satan says to him. One of the temptations was this. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Again, the devil took him, meaning Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, can you imagine what he's saying? He wants Jesus to fall down on his knees and express his worship. Because he knows that worship is love expressed. It is active. It is not passive. And that's why Satan wants Jesus to worship him. Now, obviously, he didn't do that. He used the word of God and the power of the Spirit to overcome that temptation. You know, there are a lot of people who come to church every Sunday who just never express their worship. Now, I understand how that works. Some of you grew up in places where it was a sin to, you know, Raise your hands or dance or clap or whatever in church. You you were told, you know, sit and be still and don't move or, you know, don't laugh. It's not appropriate to have any fun in church. You're not supposed to have fun here. You're supposed to, you know, be serious. Or maybe you grew up in a family that just never expressed emotion. So sometimes I have guys tell me or people will tell me, well, I'm just not an emotional or expressive person. However, I know that some of those same people, when their team is playing at home, um, they have, they'll watch some big, fast, really strong uh, athlete carry a chunk of pigskin across a white line, and they'll jump up in their seat, spill the popcorn, and they'll go, yes! Or whatever your victory dance is. But you're not expressive or emotional. Okay. What you do in your man cave is your deal, I guess. Um, Listen, here's the way this is, though. Your children, dads and moms, are watching you. And they learn from you how to worship God. Or not. A lot more is being caught than taught. And they're going to watch how you do it. And they're going to learn a lot. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, I love this passage of Scripture starting in verse 14. This is a time when David was so incredibly excited. This is King David. The Ark of the Covenant, which is representative, it's the place where the presence of God dwells. That's the Ten Commandments, Moses or Aaron's rod, all the, the showbread. It's all there, and the presence of God dwells at that time with the Ark of the Covenant. David had been afraid to bring it back to Jerusalem. He'd watched someone die who stretched out his hand and touched it. He was afraid. God said to him through a prophet, bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. It'll be fine. David was so incredibly excited. He was dancing in the streets before the Lord. He says, this is so fun. He says, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. Now, why do you think that detail is important to the writer? It really means David's not wearing very much. 
when David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord, shouting in the sound of the trumpet. (laughs) David was dancing and worshiping before the Lord so much in this ephod, his wife was embarrassed. She was like, David, chill out, dude. You're embarrassing me and everybody else. And he says, this is my translation. David looks at his wife and says, baby, you're just going to have to get over it. Because I am going to worship the Lord. And if you don't like it, that's tough. Because I'm going to express my worship with all my might. And I don't care if it's embarrassing. I think that's a pretty good attitude. You were made to live in God's presence. You were made to express worship. And third, you were made to receive revelation in his presence. That's why it's so important what we do here and what we experience every Sunday morning here. The three pillars of every worship service that we experience as we gather together are this. We have the worship and word and prayer. We worship and focus on God. We open his word to see what he has to say to us. And then we pray for one another. We pray to God and we pray for one another. That's what the altar time is all about uh, After the at the end of every service. We invite you to come and pray or someone will pray for you or maybe you want to come and pray for someone else. That's a vital part of worshiping and gathering together in God's presence. Three things, worship, word, and prayer. In the, in the worship time, we focus on him and he comes and inhabits the praises of his people. In the word time, we hear from him. We hear from him from his word. We hear from him through one another. Because we all need to hear from him. You may be asking, how can I, how can I through worship receive a word from God? Now, Again, worship needs to happen here on Sunday morning and every morning as you get up and have your own quiet time. But how can you hear a word from the Lord? I got got four things for you. One is you need to have a desire to hear from the Lord. It needs to start with a desire. I want to hear from the Lord. I want, Lord, pray. I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. We all know, any of us know that it's heard from God through his word or in prayer or maybe through another person. We all know that one word from God will change everything. Don't we? Those of you who've heard from God, you know that, right? One word from God can change everything. So we need to have a desire. Start with that. Say, God, I want to hear from you. I desire to hear from you. Secondly, listen. Listen carefully. Listen to his word. Read his word, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through his word. Come to church and listen to messages. Get, an, get a great um, uh, pastor that you listen to or, or listen to uh, podcasts. However you want to listen to the word, get into the word of God and listen to what he has to say to you. Listen carefully. Listen to other people. Sometimes God will speak to you through a good friend or someone that is a, a someone who's discipling you and so so desire and listen thirdly is receive it receive it from God take it in and ponder it meditate on it listen to what he has to say to you and then finally respond respond to what God's saying to you here's the deal friends Adam and Eve did not respond to what God told them to do listen carefully Adam and Eve chose to not respond to what God had said for them to do. 
He said, there's one thing you can't do, and that's eat from that tree. And that's the one thing they did. And when they did, it created a gap in their relationship with God, so much so that they had to move out of the Garden of Eden and were no longer living in the presence of God. It created a significant distance. Desire, listen, receive, and respond. Respond to what God is saying for you to do. In his word, through prayer, and in whatever way he speaks to you. I love 1 Samuel chapter 3. The new, it says, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, the high priest. And a word from the Lord was rare in those days, and visions were infrequent. Why? Because the high priest Eli was not following God's word. He was not being obedient to God. In fact, so much so that Eli's sons did so much evil in the sight of the Lord, it ended up getting them killed. And Eli, knowing about it, not doing anything about it, in essence, was participating. And so there was a great distance between God and his people. Until Samuel came and had a desire to serve the Lord, had a desire to listen, and had a desire to honor, to receive and respond and honor God with the word. And that's, what, that's when God began to speak. And it was just a boy. And Samuel began to hear from the Lord. And everything changed. Everything changed after that. Psalm 46.10. I love this passage of scripture. You should memorize this. Psalm 46.10 says, Cease striving and know that I am God. Cease striving. You want to know the Turner translation for that verse? Here it is. Stop working Stop worrying and start worshiping. Stop working. Rest. Stop worrying. Refocus. And start worshiping and receive. They ready for that? They need that? Me too. Can we all just say, me too, me too, me too, me too. We all need that. Last week, not this past week, but the week before, the week between Christmas and New Year's, Kathy and I had the, the opportunity to spend two and a half days just us and God. We turned off our phones and just had two and a half full days with us and God. Man, I did not want that time to end. It was so rich, so wonderful, so restful. Hearing from God, writing down. In a two-hour time frame, during that time, God gave me a whole message series that I am so excited to share with you someday. It really ministered to me in a powerful way, and I can't wait to share it with you. One word from God changes everything. You were made for this. You were made to live in his presence. You were made to express worship. 
you were made to receive revelation from God, your Father. He's a good Father. He doesn't want to remain silent. He don't want to give you the cold shoulder. He wants to love you, live with you, lead you, fill you, speak to you. I want that for you too. I want that for all of us. So would you bow your heads with me? Father, as we bow our heads before you, we've heard from you today and we've experienced your presence. And so I pray, Lord, that you will help us all to receive and respond to what you've said to us so that we grow and become mature and we 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 get closer to you and experiencing your presence all the time in worship in the word and in prayer Lord if there's somebody here that's not begun their relationship with you today I pray that this will be the time this will be the moment right now when they'll say God I need to know you I want to be your son I want to be your daughter and I want to be in relationship with you Thank you that you always answer that prayer. And now I pray that you'll give them assurance and the blessing of knowing that you're with them. Lord, we're going to pray now. I pray you'll draw every person to come to the altar who needs to do that this morning, to pray for whatever need they may have or to be prayed for or perhaps pray for somebody else. As we we pray in your presence, in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me, and here's what I'm going to do this morning. I don't know if you know uh, Stan Miller, but Stan and Joni, uh, good friends of ours, and they're in uh, Rochester, Minnesota, Mayo Clinic, and Stan needs his body to be healed. And so I'm going to be here praying for Stan. You're welcome to join me. Or you can come pray for somebody else. Or maybe you have a need that you need to be prayed for. Somebody, our altar team, altar team, would you come on down and wait here and be ready for us as we come and pray? This is that time. We've worshiped, we've heard from God, and now it's time to respond and pray. Pray for one another. So come on down as we do that, as we sing this last worship song, and let's pray together.